You're listening to the Homeschooling Families podcast by Teach Them Diligently. Welcome. Every week, we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. It's Thanksgiving week, and if you've spent any time listening to our conversations or hanging out with us over the past few years, you know that Thanksgiving and gratitude are huge topics of conversation around here. Since David began his lengthy study on the subject, he's found creative ways to tie just about every conversation we have to gratitude in some way. Now, we tease him about it all the time, but the truth is that every member of our family has learned a lot from him on this, and we've all grown because of it. I guess you could say he's put things together for all of us to pass on wisdom, like we discussed last week. This week, though, I'm excited to let him share with you and your children a little bit more about the foundations of Thanksgiving and how that factors into the way that we'll celebrate later this week. We want to make sure that none of us allow the turkey to hijack our Thanksgiving. Before we dive in, it seems appropriate to share with you the Transform Journal that David created as an overflow of his study on Thanksgiving through the Psalms. It's a 40-day, habit-creating, gratitude-instilling journal that will remake the way you think about things. There's a lot of teaching like you're going to hear in this episode, along with a deeper look at 40 of the times that Thanksgiving is mentioned in the Psalms. He'll also help you strategically journal your way through building this mental habit that will be so transformational for you and for your family. Learn more and pick up your copy today at transformjournals.com. Again, that's transformjournals.com. Today's podcast is sponsored by our friends at Creating a Masterpiece. Creating a Masterpiece provides award-winning drawing classes for your children, taught by an expert instructor, and we can't recommend them highly enough. If your student has an interest in drawing, this is the program for them. It was designed by master artist and teacher Sharon Hofer to empower students who love to draw. But honestly, drawing is a skill that anyone can learn. You don't even have to be gifted. So in this program, Sharon will teach students step-by-step how to plan, develop, and enhance carefully designed projects, all while using easily accessible tools. You can learn more about creating a masterpiece and even get a free sample lesson by going to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash C-A-M. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net forward slash C-A-M. Now, David, we're all really tempted to think that Thanksgiving is a a truly authentic American holiday. Like, we own this thing. Well, there's this history that a lot of us don't even know about that came way before the pilgrims uh, were having turkey and eating with the Indians. And a lot of us don't even know about this. But did that history factor into what the pilgrims did when they had this big feast with the Indians and everybody else. Yes, absolutely. It was actually the motivation. This is what they were hearkening back to Hmm. when they decided to have a Thanksgiving dinner. It's actually, you can find it in Leviticus seven and it, it involves a peace offering. And when a lot of us talk about peace offerings, we think about, Hey, we're trying to make up for something that we've done that is wrong. Like, uh, you may bring a peace offering to your wife if you 
I feel like you've made her angry or something. Maybe what kind, bring of, her... what kind of peace offerings are we talking about? Well, here? I don't know. Chocolates. Chocolates um, always work. Uh, uh, flowers. Definitely a good idea. Uh, dates. Yep. Yeah. All of those you... things are good. But that actually kind of gives us the wrong idea of what a peace offering is in the Bible. Hmm. A peace offering in the Bible comes from a heart that is actually right with God. So there's nothing wrong in your relationship in a peace offering. You haven't done anything to make him angry at you. You are in right standing. And this particular peace offering is a voluntary. And there are instructions on what you need to do in the peace offering, but it is completely voluntary. You should do it often, but it's not something that, hey, uh, like in the feasts, there are like a regular schedule of feasts in the Jewish law. But in the peace offering, it's not like that. And in this Thanksgiving offering, which is a peace offering, it's not like that. This is voluntary. So the Thanksgiving offering was actually a type of peace offering? Yes, it was. Okay. And so you have the right heart with God when you're giving this peace offering, when you're doing a Thanksgiving offering. And so the idea is, is that uh, God has blessed you in some way. He has answered a prayer that maybe that you've had. Uh, Maybe it came to, there was some sort of a result of a vow that you had made. If God does this, I will do this. Um, Or... Any kind of thing that maybe you are thankful that it's a result. I am thankful that this happened. Therefore, you're going to do this peace offering. You're going to have a Thanksgiving offering. And the instructions that are in Leviticus 7, um, actually, it tells you what you should be bringing in a Thanksgiving offering. And it's hmm. a lot of stuff. Um, not on top of, it says you're supposed to be giving uh, the, the sheep or the the ox, like you would give in a guilt offering. So that's part of this as well. But on top of that, you're supposed to bring in all kinds of leaven and unleavened flour, leaven and unleavened bread, leaven and unleavened cakes. I mean, there is a lot of stuff that you're bringing. Hmm. And you are to bring all of that into the temple. And so the instruction is, is that the calf that is part of this or, or the ox that is part of this peace offering is to be, you know, sacrificed or killed at the door. And you bring it in and you put it on the altar. And then you bring the unleavened flour and you bring the leavened flour and you bring the cakes and you bring the bread and you bring all this stuff and you put that on the altar as well. And it's roasted. And while it is roasted, You are standing around the altar watching this. And while it's roasted, you are actually describing to the priests that are there why you are thankful. Hmm. You are describing this whole thing to them. I'm thankful that this happened. And this is the reason why I'm doing this. I had a bountiful harvest and I'm bringing all this to the Lord. So this was really, truly an object lesson for them because this, this seems like such a lavish offering And that lavish was actually a great reminder of God's gifts to them. Yeah. And there was, you know, on top of that, you had to have a certain kind of mindset in order to do this, right? You're not giving in this Thanksgiving offering everything that you think that you're going to have. It's not like, oh, this is all I got. 
and you're going to bring it to a Thanksgiving offering, you're convinced because again, remember, this is voluntary. So mm -hmm. you're convinced there's more coming. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that is supposed to happen here that is really, I think, part of the, you know, the best part of this Thanksgiving offering is that you, the instructions in Leviticus 7 is that you're supposed to eat this before sundown. Hmm. And with all this food, and again, you take our family, how much meat do we eat in a, in a city? We have, there's six of us. And how much meat do we eat? It gets obnoxious. It's like, it really does. It's like what? Um, how many pounds? Um, at, well, it depends on the type of meat. You're putting me on the spot here. And we almost never have just six of us either. So it's, it's like there's always so, spares. So, but we, I cook between three and six pounds of meat, usually depending on how many spares we have around. So you think about the animal that you're supposed to eat the entire yeah, that's animal. crazy. I mean, that is crazy. I mean, uh, the animal is going to be 30, 40, 50, maybe sometimes 100 pounds, maybe even more than that. And you are supposed to eat this entire animal before the sun sets. And there's only one way that you're going to do that. The only way you're going to do that is if you share it. Hmm. And so there's a level of generosity that goes into this Thanksgiving offering that is really important to the whole thing. So not only are you bringing this stuff in that you're convinced this is not all God is going to bless me way beyond this, but you're also bringing all this stuff in and you're sharing it with everybody that is around you. But then you're also sharing while it's cooking. You're sharing while you're thankful as well. Then on top of that, there's leaven and unleavened bread and unleaven and unleavened flour. And, you know, this is combined in this one offering. This is the only place that leaven and unleaven are combined in the offering. And if you remember, uh, leaven is like this symbolism of unholy, sinful, evil. Remember in Passover, you're supposed to remove all the leaven. And so... In this, they're supposed to, supposed to have leaven and unleavened together, hmm. which has this indication, this symbol of the good and the bad. All of it works together for the glory of God and all of it works together for thanksgiving to him. So you're sharing all of this with all these people and you're supposed to eat it all. And it's all it's a feast is what wow. it is. And so this is the history that goes that is behind the Thanksgiving meal that the pilgrims had with the Indians, they just came through a really difficult winter. They've been there for, I think, what is it? Two years, three years, something like that. And, and, and so many had died. So many of them died. They had had failed harvests. Harvests. They had, I don't know why I can't say that word, <laughs> but they, they had a, 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 they had a lot of difficulty. Mm. People are dying. People are getting sick. They're not able to get a good harvest. They are having bugs that are eating their food. They're having rotten, you know, corn. And, you know, they've had a lot of trouble. Yeah. And they come to the other side of this and they get a bountiful harvest. And the first thing they think of is we need to have a Thanksgiving feast. Hmm. It's not let's hoard all of this and let's put this in the barn and keep it because we don't know when we're going to have more difficulty, hmm. more disease. You know, we're not going to, we don't know when we're going to have all these horrible things we're going to have to deal with again. We've just come through this. That wasn't their thought. Their thought was, let's share it. Yeah. And not only are we going to share it with people that are around us, but we're going to share it with the Indians as well. 
And the Indians, you remember the story, actually helped the pilgrims be able to actually have a bountiful harvest. They showed them how to plant crops in this new in world, this new in world, this <laughs> a new, new environment. environment. How cute was that? We just said the it same had word. It. <laughs> and so that is that was the heart of what went into this first Thanksgiving. And I think that people try to take that out and mm-hmm. they they think about okay, we're going to have the big turkey and we're going to have a huge meal and we're going to watch football. And then you have this other stuff out there that people talk about uh, a lot of really bad stuff that happened between Americans and Indians. And they try to include all that in there and all that. And they don't talk about this stuff. Hmm. The thing is, is that this particular time in history, even if it's a moment, it harkened back to this Thanksgiving offering and what these pilgrims wanted to do is they wanted to share Mm. and they wanted to be thankful to God. And it really gets into that. I mean, Thanksgiving is foundational to the Christian faith. Thanksgiving is actually foundational to the Jewish law and where God wanted the Israelites to be. He wanted them to be a witness for the Canaanites. He wanted them to be a witness to everybody who was in the area. Mm. And a foundation for that was Thanksgiving. And that's where these pilgrims were. That's what was going through their head. They were thinking about how blessed they are to have this bountiful harvest. And the first thing in their mind was, we got to share this and then we need to offer it. You know, we need to have this feast almost like a Thanksgiving offering where they're standing around the altar and all this food is cooking and they're sharing it with everybody around them. And they're talking about how wonderful this all is. Yeah. After going through all the difficulty that they had gone through. Yeah. And, and I love the way that you tied it to the good and the bad, you know, like you noted, they had come through horrific years They'd come through difficulties that we can't even fully wrap our heads around as there was probably no family there that had not experienced an incredibly tragic loss over since the time they arrived or left England, I I guess. And yet we see them proclaiming their gratitude. We see them Um, giving thanksgiving to Almighty God. We see them sharing with others. And we don't see them in the accounts, in what was written in in this feast, this celebration. We don't see them dwelling on the bad. They They are recognizing God's hand in everything and moving forward. Like you noted too, by by bringing this lavish spread and sharing it with people because you recognize that the God who gave us this is so able to continue to meet our needs and supply our, our wants and lavishly bless us. Um, and it's just a really, really amazing thing. So I guess the, the question would be, how does that impact our family this week? Like we are right now at a holiday that's admittedly being commercialized. There's some in our culture who want to commandeer it. They really want to like divert from what it's really about, which I don't blame them. If gratitude is that foundational to the Christian faith, it's no wonder that there is a war on it. Yeah. But how does, how do we as families 
take this teaching on Thanksgiving and apply it to the way that we're approaching our probable feast with people that we love this week? Well, I think that one of the ways that you're going to do that is when you define biblical Thanksgiving, there's three elements that go into it. One of them is humility, right? Surprise always intensifies Thanksgiving, right? So you give a gift to somebody and you always try to keep it a secret and then you do the great reveal and they're like, oh, you know, and they're all excited, right? And so what I'm saying is, is that humility actually intensifies Thanksgiving. So that's the first thing that you have to think about on this is that you have to be humble. And so therefore this stuff that you're being given by the Lord, these gifts that you had, these things that you're thankful for, you didn't do anything to deserve them. Hmm. The second thing is, Again, this is a definition that actually goes into biblical thanksgiving. So the first one is humility. The second one is going to be focus. And so you focus on the things that you have to be thankful for. You actually think about who is God. God, he is, his love cannot be stopped. His steadfast love endures forever. That's who God is. And so you start thinking about all of these amazing gifts that God has given you. So he's created the world that you live in. He's given you the kids that you're thankful for. He's given you the home. He is a good God and his love endures forever. And so you focus on that aspect of who God is and you allow it to kind of overflow into all this other stuff because it becomes this filter and the way you see everything. Mm -hmm. And the third one, which is kind of like focus, but it's a little different, is expectation. And the difference between expectation and focus is, is that expectation is expecting something amazing to come down the road. So no matter what difficulty you're in right now, you serve a God that his steadfast love endures forever and is good. He is characterized by good. So whatever evil or bad or difficulty you're in, it's temporary mm. because there's good that is coming down the road. So there's humility, there's focus, and there's expectation. And so as a parent, you are focusing on that when you're teaching that aspect to your kids. So you will talk about the things that you have to be thankful for. And you'll tie it back to the fact that God is good and his steadfast loves endures forever. And not only do we have this good thing right now, but there's even more good stuff kind of like the pilgrims that after going through all this difficulty decided rather than hoarding it, they decided to do a feast. Hmm. And so not only did we get this good right now, there's a whole lot more good that's coming. And so you focus on what God is doing in the world as well. And so as you kind of go through the Thanksgiving holiday and you are focusing on this stuff, you start with humility. We don't deserve this focus on what God is doing and you focus on what is coming down the road and what God is going to do in the future. Yeah. So how are the good things going to come together in the future to make even better things? Yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of, of families practice Thanksgiving throughout the month of November. It's just kind of something you see it all over social media. People are talking about it a whole lot more because our focus is naturally going in that direction. Um, and so if you're looking for ways to, to really engage your children 
in building this habit of Thanksgiving, you know, you see everything from rings and uh, where you write things you're thankful for and make a like a, a rope of them or a Thanksgiving tree and you put leaves on it or whatever. One of the things that we've done through the years that has become has been a really really meaningful tradition that focuses our hearts and our children's hearts on these things that David was talking about. We actually started doing this when the kids were young, so it well predated um, David's deep dive study. But we have kind of as a shout out to, to what we had learned about the pilgrims one year when we were studying a unit study on Thanksgiving when the kids were young. We put three corner, kernels of corn on everybody's plate before we make them. And we have a Thanksgiving candle. The only time we bring it out, it's in this huge globe. The only time that we bring this candle out all year is for Thanksgiving. And everybody at our table, however many there are, goes around and we have three kernels that we put in that globe. And now we're able to look every time when we pull it out that it's deeper. We're now at like three inches of just tons and tons and tons of things that we've been grateful for through the years. So in real time, our kids are able and have been able to rehearse specific things. And and we have always encouraged them to be very, very specific. David talks a lot about that, but very specific things that they are grateful for. It's a beautiful thing to hear, and you get a lot of insight into their heart as to what comes to mind. But beyond that, every year we get reminded of the hundreds and hundreds of kernels in there representing things that we've had to be grateful for through the years. And it is a wonderful way to set our focus on things of the Lord, to turn our gratitude towards the one to whom it is owed and to truly not focus just on the feast or the friends, which are wonderful, wonderful things and they should be celebrated, but truly focus on the gratitude and the thanksgiving and the the God who made it all possible. Yeah. And I ran across this globe just the other day. I'm, I'm painting the kitchen. I don't know what it is about you know, conference time, or we're getting ready to open. I always decide to paint. And so uh, going into the holidays, and so we're painting in the kitchen and I pulled, and it's funny because now this globe, it's like, you know, Oh, you know, don't mess Be this careful. up. Don't tilt it. Um, and it's really kind of funny, but it kind of started off as this really small thing. Well, and I honestly, just so you you will know if you're thinking, oh, that sounds like a really cool idea. The first couple of years that we did it, I questioned whether it was a good idea at all because there's so little in there that it looks sad. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> but it grows. And it's one of those things, and I know you guys have these things in your life, that it's a tradition that we do with our kids that now that they're older, means so much. Like David was alluding to, you know, we are very protective of this candle and the globe. It's on top of the cap, the cabinets in the kitchen all year long so that it's safe, but we can see it actually, which is nice. I see it all the time, but we only pull it down on Thanksgiving and the kids really, really do treasure that. That's a big deal. And it's cool the way that the Lord uses traditions like that. The Bible talks about statutes. In fact, in Deuteronomy 6, we're supposed to teach 
them diligently to, to obey the commands and the statutes. This is, these are the statutes, um, these traditions, these things that we do. David, you know, was talking about the offerings. Those are all kind of in there as well. Um, but these, these reminders that we have that are part of the fabric of our family's being, this defines us. We from very early on focused on being gra- grateful, especially around our table at Thanksgiving. And we've got many inches of popcorn kernels in a candle that will remind us until we overtake it, which it's going to be a while because that's a really big candle and a really big globe. But I I would say that uh, if you're starting traditions in this way, um, it's a really good thing to have something that you can look back to Mm -hmm. on a regular basis as your kids get older. And uh, so whether, you know, whatever it might be, if it's, you know, these little keychain things or you're doing rope or you're doing a tree or something, it's a really good idea to have something that is not just one or two years that you literally, when the kids get to be 18, 19, 20 years old, uh, 23, 24, (laughs) you are able to actually look back and see it. And it's, you can't remember every single one of these things that they plopped into this candle and said, I'm thankful for that. And a but lot the of them fact, have been silly, honestly, as they're little, they are yeah, little, when you're five years old. It's, yeah. it's a very small things, but it builds up over time. Yeah. And it's like, wow, look at all the stuff that we have had to be thankful for. Yeah. And um, I would recommend that whatever you decide to do, that it's something that will have longevity yes. to it over time that you can actually look at and is physical and visible. It's a great uh, th- object that you can lesson. Do a, that you can do as a family. Yep. Great, great object lesson. Well, we are out of time for today. I trust that this has been an encouragement and a help to you. I hope that it's helped you look at Thanksgiving in a whole new way, a much deeper, richer way, and that you're even more excited about sharing your bounty, sharing the table, sharing a meal, and all of the festivities and focusing on the gratitude and the thanksgiving that should overflow when you have a God who has given you and your family so very many wonderful gifts. Um, Again, I can't encourage you strongly enough. Go check out the Thanksgiving journal at transformjournals.com. Those are great to do by yourself. A lot of couples do them together. So we have a two pack. We also have a family pack because so many families have decided to do it as their family devotions and spend 40 nights really focusing in together on being grateful and in turning your hearts to praise and instilling that habit in your children while they are little, which is just a great gift that you can give them now that will last them for a lifetime. So have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.